Welcome to the EchoCast. I am Bon, and this is a podcast about video game news, speculation, reviews, and whatever else I feel like chatting about. This week, we'll be talking about the Callisto Protocol release, Jeff Keighley taking on E3. Uh, I was in a Game, game Rant article, and much more. A few things before we get started. Subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform. And if you're on Spotify or iTunes, please review the show. On YouTube, please subscribe to the channel, like the video, and comment with your thoughts down below, or just say hi. A huge thank you to supporter level patrons PK, The Don, and Cage Nephilim, and a special thanks to producer level patron Hassan. If you're interested in supporting this podcast and getting ad-free episodes, please check out patreon.com slash Diesel. Gaming news. So let's get into it. Um, the Callisto Protocol released uh, today. I'm recording this on Friday, uh, the 2nd of December. Can't believe it's December. It's crazy. Um, uh, so it's come out with a Metacritic score of 73 um, and I've watched four reviews on it today, I believe. Um, so I'm actually someone who was curious about Callisto Protocol. I wasn't a Dead Space fan, and obviously this was kind of a spiritual successor of that series. Uh, Glenn Schofield um, is the, uh, the director of this game, as well as the owner of the studio who made it. Uh, he worked on uh, the previous Dead Space games, as well as a bunch of Call of Duty games and a bunch of stuff Schofield's worked on most of the major franchises in gaming um, and so I was hesitant for two reasons one this kind of scary survival-y game really isn't my style um, I do like single-player story games so I was curious um, and then Every trailer they showed us, you know, I, the first one was like, "Ooh, this is interesting. This is like obviously a Dead Space like, you know, spiritual successor, but this is interesting." Then every time they showed more gameplay, I kind of started to see like it was like seeing the cracks, you know. You started to see like, "Oh, okay, like that, you know, that looks a little weird. That's the same thing as before." Oh, there's a a sliding section of the game where you're sliding down a, like a tube, uh, which is very like 2015 E, um, you know, so then the reviews come out, the game comes out, it has a Metacritic of 73. This is definitely one of the more divisive games I've seen in a long time. Um, and it seems like it, it just kind of depends on what you were looking for from it, from the reviews I've listened to. Um, I watched like the kind of funny coverage on it, uh, skill up, um, uh, as well as, uh, I think like Jeff Grubb and, and some other people, um, Lucy James and, and so on. And it, it seems like if you were going in completely blind, you would come out being like the game's very pretty. The combat and actual gameplay is like, okay, but kind of frustrating and feels dated. Um, and the story is just there. And so if you combine those things, you know, if, if you're someone who's purely there for the graphics and to see, cause that's kind of where I was. So apparently this game is on unreal engine four, but 
during development when Unreal Engine 5 released, they were able to take some components from UE5 and implement them into this game. And, 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 and like the one consistent thing I've heard everyone say is that this game is beautiful, is that it's, it looks very good, especially the player models and stuff like that. Now, with that, apparently the performance, at least on release, for PC was abysmal. Um, apparently on the performance mode on console, it was actually pretty good. But the PC uh, version, I guess, is just atrocious. And that's catching it a lot of flack on Steam uh, and, and from those people who were playing it that way. So to me, um, I was on the fence about buying this. I, I wanted to, but I really needed it to be like a, uh, like everyone being like, yeah, this game's really good. And it seems like that's not the case. Now, I have seen some people kind of being like, hey, you know, some of my favorite games have Metacritic scores in the 70s. You know, each person has a different experience. Even myself, I don't know what A Plague Tale Requiem um, settled on. I think it was in the low 80s, which is, you know, quite a bit better. But I still think it should have been in, in the 90s. Um, I, I just... I understand that maybe this game is better than it's reviewing, but it definitely, I already had reservations and the reviews definitely didn't push me any further. Now, to be totally fair, I've seen multiple people say they really love this game. So maybe it's worth it, um, but it's a $70 game. Uh, if you're on PlayStation, uh, I think on Xbox, there's a $60 day one um, or, or a basic copy but it's apparently like eight hours long eight to ten hours and the story isn't that good the gameplay doesn't seem like it's unanimously enjoyed and so for me it's a pass for me i'm gonna wait for game pass literally um it this game did have a sony marketing deal so it won't be uh, as we've learned through the sony activision uh xbox uh drama that sony probably paid for at least probably a year or maybe six months of exclusivity where um, they can't put this on Game Pass. So I'm going to wait. Um, I'm having fun with some games I'm playing right now, and I don't need this. Um, you know, I just, uh, it's interesting. It, it, it's very interesting. Um, it seems like a game that was kind of maybe should have come out a few years ago and it's kind of outdated now but the thing to keep in mind is they made this game from scratch in three years um it's the first project from the studio and if you look at it in that way it's a, it's a really good sign of things to come um it's pretty common for games to have an entire like like the actual full development to take two or three years but the impression i'm under is that they did pre-production they did concept stuff they did prototyping and completed the game in three years that's pretty good even with it's maybe you know not the best scores not the best reviews it does seem like from a straight up like if you look at it as a whole them doing this from nothing to release in three years pretty impressive so um while this may not be the game that puts the you know glenn schofield's new um studio on the on the map um, I definitely think it puts it on the mind of everyone to really look out for their next project because it's probably going to be really good. Um, lessons they've learned, not having to deal with COVID, all of that. Um, I'm not really interested here, but I'm interested in the next thing. Uh, we'll have to wait and see, though. 
to speaking of waiting and seeing, we have the ultimate wait and see story, more Xbox acquisition stuff. So last week I did kind of like a Q&A episode because I was just busy and there wasn't a lot of news. I did miss some stuff. Um, the main story I missed, I think, is that uh, there was a couple developments uh, with the Xbox Activision uh, acquisition. So there's rumors that the United States is going to do an investigation into the into the deal. Um, they are, there's already an escalated investigation in Europe. Um, depending on who you support, it seems like this news is different. My take is I, I really don't see them um, blocking this deal, but I do think they'll make them do concessions. Um, and then it seems like Microsoft knows that because, you know, in the last week, this news has come out that apparently Xbox has offered um, before, I believe they offered Sony Call of Duty um, to stay on their platform for three years. Um, and apparently now they've offered for 10 um, at this point. Uh, Sony hasn't uh, publicly responded or talked about that. They very publicly uh, dismissed that three-year deal. Um, there, there was some thought that that three-year deal was meant to be a ongoing, like every three years they'll renegotiate. That's how it works with Minecraft, with the different platforms it is on. Um, but so far we haven't heard about this 10-year deal. My guess is that that 10-year offer was probably... Uh, preemptive of them knowing that some of these governments are going to uh, investigate the deal further and it's them being able to say hey you know we've offered them a fair price for 10 years of you know continuing to have this series uh, on their platform and the reason this is coming up in part is because uh, last week there was um, a bunch of stuff released a bunch of documents released that uh, were submitted in this case and it basically led to this idea of uh, Sony saying something along the lines of Xbox, you know, by taking in Call of Duty and Activision and all this is trying to make uh, Sony like Nintendo being unable to compete in the first person shooter business and so on, um, which was such a hilarious way to try to frame this um, one because like Nintendo wipes the floor with both of these platforms and so Sony could only hope to be Nintendo um, especially because Nintendo can ride out um, outdated hardware for ever basically and they'll still sell insane amounts of games which we'll talk about in the Pokemon section of this uh, of this show um, and so it was really funny and, and the frustrating thing about it is that they painted it like Xbox is trying to corner the market on first-person shooter mature games, um, you know, because there's multiple franchises that Xbox already has that would, are in that uh, realm, uh, like with them having Bethesda and Zenimax. They have like the Wolfenstein games. They have Halo. Um, now, you know, they're trying to get Call of Duty. And um, the frustrating part about that is that if Sony was so worried about that one, Sony isn't really one to rely on the third party for that uh, with Call of Duty. Um, and it's not like Sony is trying to compete there. They have the Killzone franchise. They haven't done anything with it in a long time. Um, they have, I believe, the Resistance franchise. Um, and, and they have they have Bungie. They own Bungie now. And so while Destiny is like a huge niche like it, it's hard to call it a niche because it is a large player base but it's not for everyone it's not call of duty um you know we also know that they have bungie 
uh, at least assisting on a bunch of games and making their own new IP that's unannounced. And, you know, that's probably a first-person shooter. They're probably going to help other studios with doing first-person games. And so, you know, if Sony was out there actually trying to compete in that area, this idea of them being like, oh, you know, we, we won't be able to compete anymore. Well, you're not even trying. But that's also ignoring that they don't, they haven't needed to with their exclusive first, you know, third person action adventure story games, they completely dominate the market if you're comparing them and Xbox. So it was, you know, it's all posturing, it's all lawyers, it's all, you know, them saying what they think they need to say. Um, I mean, it does, I'm on the border of, of feeling like, of, I'm on the border of feeling like Sony is just trying to get concessions, knowing the deal is going to go through, and or that they're actually trying to scrub this deal. Um, at this point, I'm still just not really sure. I don't think they're trying to scrub the deal because I think they know that's like there's no precedent for that. So it seems like they're just pushing really hard for concessions to get this 10 years of C- of Call of Duty and things like that. Um, but we'll have to wait and see. It's it's been an interesting saga. Um, I try not to get too wrapped up in it. I know there's a lot of commentators who are sick of talking about it. I'm not because I'm not like overly emotional about it. If it falls through, like whatever. Okay. Um, I hope it doesn't. I mean, I think it'd be cool, um, for it to go through because Activision probably needs new leadership, but, um, I just, um, I don't know. I'm curious to see how it works out. I think it will probably be settled by next summer. Um, but we'll have to wait and see. Okay, so we have uh, we had some new information this week um, about the Summer Game Fest. So if you remember from last year, um, E3 didn't have a show. Um, and so Jeff Keighley, who does the Game Awards, um, did Summer Games Fest. So um, it was a in-person event, a very tiny one, where he had people out um, and some uh, publishers and developers showing off some games. Like I believe like the Sonic game was there and stuff like that. And then he had a like a three hour show and uh, for Summer Game Fest of 2022. And if I have to be straight up, it was kind of bad. It was like an hour or an hour and a half too long. It had way too much fluff. It had it was a very meandering and there really wasn't like a single big announcement. And so it was kind of rough. And, and what I took from that was that, you know, E3 may be a necessity because one, they already kind of, they have relationships. They kind of know what they're doing. Um, and two, Keely probably needs competition because, you know, maybe it's the people around or maybe it's him himself, but it seems like there's a, a cockiness that, that isn't maybe quite deserved yet because Summer Games Fest was kind of bad. Um, and so now we look at 2023, we already knew that E3 was coming back. Jeff Keighley had been talking a lot about how he was definitely doing summer game fest again, was going to do a big in-person event. Uh, we found out that E3 was going to be, um, no longer run by the same people as before, but it was going to be implemented by the people who do, I believe it's, um, like PAX, which is a pretty popular show. So there's going to be some pretty big changes. We then found out that E3 is going to have, Uh, They're still going to be in the L.A. Convention Center, but they're going to have, I believe, a day that's just for journalists and creators. And then they're going to have a public show, but that is still going to be separate 
from the place. So there's, they're going to have two halls and one hall will be for people who buy tickets and go to the show themselves. And then the other hall is still going to be just for, uh, media and publishers and developers and stuff like that. So that's, I think really cool. I think that's going to be a good thing. And so we found out this week that um, we already knew that E3 was going to be on June 13th. Um, and then we found out the Summer Game Fest is going to be June 8th. So there was um, a lot of speculation about was Keeley going to try to do it the exact same week? Uh, was he going to do it before? Was he going to do it after? Was he going to do it in a different month? And now we know he's going to do it a week before. So this leads to some kind of interesting conundrums, right? Um, what is going to happen? You know, are... Are we going to see publishers and developers bring the same stuff to both shows? Are we going to see them distribute it depending who has the better relationships and things like that? Um, I've seen a lot of people being like, oh, Summer Games Fest is going to get all the exclusives and E3 is dead already. I, I think that's I think the problem is, is that you know the the part of the gaming community that is involved on twitter who watches podcasts who is involved in the actual conversations of all this stuff don't always realize that they're like a really 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 tiny minority of the overall gaming community and they don't realize that like 90 percent of gamers don't pay attention to all of that and i think that it's pretty safe to say that that percentage of people also probably know what e3 is they may not have really watched much of it it may not be in their mind all the time but if you say summer games fest and e3 they will know e3 and they probably have no idea what summer game fest is or at least not to the same degree so you know and you have to remember that these publishers and devs also know that and so while keely's obviously kind of taking a big role and kind of being that liaison between gamers and and, and devs um, I still, I still think it's not quite as prolific as, as he makes it out to be because he's a salesman. He's selling himself. He's selling his product. And I just don't completely believe that he's trounced E3 yet. Um, I think E3's definitely been through the ringer. They've made lots of mistakes. Um, it does seem like they're trying to make drastic change and make this happen again. And the simple fact is that like Summer Game Fest, uh, I thought it was underwhelming. People also called that E3. Like whether Keeley likes it or not, people were talking about that being like E3 week because various, I think like Xbox had their own show during that time. Like it was kind of coordinated with Summer Game Fest, but it wasn't actually part of it. Um, and people called that E3. And I remember calling it that. I remember hearing a bunch of journalists and media people calling it that because the simple fact is that E3 has that mind share. E3 is more than just a specific event. It's like a, it's a, it's a, it's an attitude, it's a mood, it's a, it's a festivity. And so, um, I, I think it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with these two events back to back, uh, who gets what, um, and, and really the biggest thing is I hope that with COVID starting to kind of pass us by, but not really, but sort of, I'm really hoping that by next summer, there's going to be plenty of info to spread that there's going to be plenty of stuff for publishers and devs to give both of them. Um, but we'll have to wait and see. So I'll be excited for either. Uh, the next story, a uh, mass effect game rant article. So your boy, 
this guy, um, got mentioned in a uh, Game Rant article. That's a, uh, a, a gaming website that does reviews and coverage of stories. Um, so a, a video I did uh, on in seven day, a couple of, gosh, almost a month ago now, um, about a reflection in a teaser uh, trailer uh, that you know could be Shepard or someone else. I uh, got picked up and talked about in this article that was really, really cool. Some people linked it to me. Um, so that was exciting. It was kind of a bummer <laughs> that uh, another creator who's literally 25 times larger than me, uh, but who, who did their content after I did, um, got their video highlighted in uh, the article and stuff. But at the same time, like uh, that person's recognizable to the community who they are trying to reach out to with this article. I'm not. And so that's just the way it goes. I have to keep grinding. Um, so that was really cool. Um, that was exciting. I've been working really hard to try to establish myself even just a little bit in the Mass Effect community. And so to have even just the tiniest bit of recognition from like a legitimate source um, was really, really cool. So I think there's a thing to be said, I've kind of noticed, um, I, I follow, you know, a handful of Mass Effect creators and it is, um, kind of a reminder of what it was like trying to get into the division, uh, community back when I did that back in 2017 or so. Um, and how, you know, there's, there's some established names and whether it's on purpose or not, uh, it's gonna, it's gonna be hard to get a foothold in the community and it, um and, it, and there may be people actively trying to kind of you know push back on that because they don't want competition whether it's um our the the mass effect uh interview i did with n7 legend uh shortly after n7 day so a couple weeks ago um if you parse out all the things we talked about and especially original ideas that we talked about uh, larger creators have made videos about basically everything. <laughs> so in one way, I take it as a compliment that the, the ideas we had and the original ideas we had were compelling enough that people uh, wanted to comment on it. Um, it would have been maybe nice to have a little more recognition. There was some, which was nice, but uh, in my opinion, not enough. But that's what happens when you're the small fish. So you have to keep on uh, fighting your way up the food chain. Uh, a quick note before we move on, if you are on uh, PlayStation, uh, the PlayStation, uh, oh, the premium or whatever, the free games you get every month, uh, Mass Effect Legendary Edition will be on that uh, soon if it's not already. Uh, you need to get that. It's, it's very good. Okay, so here in a few days, this coming week, speaking of Jeff Keighley before, uh, we have the Game Awards coming up. So this is a, a big festival. This is a big event. While I'm kind of down on the Summer Game Fest, I didn't think it was great. Uh, the Game Awards is always pretty good. It's still too long. It's way too drawn out still, but it typically has some pretty good uh, stuff. Uh, even last year, it had some okay stuff. Uh, the year before, they had some really good exclusive trailers and stuff. The year before that, I believe, is where they announced the Xbox Series X, which was the big deal. Um, 
So it's been uh, it, it's been fun uh, to kind of get excited for the summer, the game awards. Um, and so we'll talk about a couple things. The first thing we'll talk about is what should we expect? Uh, like, what do we know is going to happen? Well, the first thing is the awards. Um, unfortunately or fortunately, depending on who you are, the awards are going to be very dominated by Elden Ring and God of War Ragnarok. So if you're a fan of those games, then you're going to be happy because they're probably going to clean up and one of them is probably going to be game of the year. Uh, if you're not, then you're probably going to be annoyed. Um, I am super happy that a Plague Tale Requiem got a bunch of nominations. I believe like soundtrack, narrative, game of the year, which was a surprise to me, even though I think it definitely deserves the nom. Um, I'm hoping that it at least wins the narrative uh because i just I, I loved it so i really hope it i hope it wins something but even just being nominated especially for game of the year was exciting as for a bunch of the other awards i'm not super invested uh there's literally awards for like best esports team where i literally know less than zero so i'll just be watching but what we're here for are the reveals, right? Um, and so uh, we found out that Tekken 8 will be uh, shown, uh, that's for sure. Um, I'm not a big fighting game guy, but that's still a series that means something to me. So it'll just be cool to see it. Um, Jedi Fallen Order Survivor, the, uh, the, the sequel made by EA, uh, is expected to be shown. That's per Jeff Grubb, um, who's pretty reliable with, e with EA stuff. He seems to have... Um, some pretty deep connections there. And whenever he makes EA related predictions, they tend to come true. Um, there's also been some pretty heavy hinting that Jeff Keighley's best friend, Kojima is going to be showing something there. We're under the impression he's working on a few different projects. There's at least probably one or two games. There's also some thought he's working on like a movie of some type or some type of other media than games. Uh, so it seems like it's almost guaranteed that Kojima is going to show something, but I believe the last time it was, I think it was summer game fest. It may have been the game awards last year. Uh, people were expecting something big from Kojima and it ended up being like a, um, the, an announcement of the director's cut of death stranding, which was like kind of neat, but didn't really take the world by storm. Um, as for predictions of things that could be at Summer Game Fest, and these are pretty customized to myself, um, it's almost certain Dragon Age uh, from Bioware is going to have a big trailer. That game is still expected to be to be released probably about a year from now, and so it wouldn't surprise anyone if they kind of begin their marketing push now with like an actual trailer of like gameplay at least a little bit um we did find out recently that that game hit alpha which means it's playable all the way through that means that there's a pretty good chance they have a vertical slice that they can make like a trailer from uh, that's finished and they could show like what the game is going to be uh, which is really exciting um i am kind of hoping that there may be even just the smallest mass effect trailer um even if it's just like a little teaser probably asking too much we got a very active in seven day about a month ago and so they could really put the cherry on top with a little with a little teaser trailer uh i'm not expecting it though we'll have to wait and see um i'm not expecting anything from ubi actually i think ubisoft is probably gonna do their own show uh probably in like the 
maybe the spring or late winter. Um, I don't really know what they would show. Um, Ubisoft is in a weird spot right now where there's, I can't think of any like big AAA releases that they have coming up that we know about other than like Assassin's Creed. And um, Ubisoft seems to just be kind of coasted. So we'll have to see what they do. There's also a big tease that 505 Games is going to be showing something new and big. Um, so that should be really interesting. That's a pretty big studio slash publisher. And um, it, you know, if they, if they show stuff that's substantial in some capacity. And then the final one is Xbox. And from the previous conversation about the acquisition, there's actually some thought that they may not show anything because they may be worried about doing something that may you know tick off the regulators who are reviewing their deal i don't think that would keep them from doing anything i really think we see something starfield i think we see something redfall i think we maybe see sinua's um uh sinua's sacra was sinua's saga or whatever the the new one is um I really want to see something from that. I've seen some people predict like perfect dark may show up in some capacity, maybe something gear six. I think that's probably still pretty far off, um, but we'll have to wait and see um, that be that battle Royale mode for halo. I wouldn't be surprised if we see something about that because that poor franchise needs some kind of boost. Um, but I'm really curious at how much Xbox shows up because there is some thought that they may hold back to try not to, rock the boat any more than they have already so i'm super excited for the game awards i will be streaming it live that evening uh, so if you want to come by my twitch channel at twitch.tv slash bondiesel um you'll be able to hang out we can chat about the what gets shown um and uh we can have a good time so uh, please uh follow my twitch and show up uh when this comes on i love to chat while we watch Okay, so next is a uh, Pokemon Violet and Scarlet. So that came out. Um, I don't think I talked about it in the in the two weeks ago because I don't think it was out yet. But it, it's sitting at a Metacritic score, just like Callisto Protocol, of seventy three. Now this one's crazy because this game is from is fundamentally technically broken. Um, the Switch cannot play this game. It is not powerful enough. Uh, they did not optimize this game enough to play on the only platform it's going to be played on. That said, it sold 10 million copies in a week, which is wild, and 4 million of those were in Japan. And second, the like the Metacritic 73, every person I've heard talk about it has said, it sucks to play, it looks terrible, uh, it's glitchy, uh, it, it's not enjoyable to play, but it um, it's the it may be the best Pokemon game ever made. <laughs> it's really interesting. It's really interesting how, and, and I believe it at this point that, that, that game is very, very good. The game that's inside this broken mess <laughs> of a technical state of a, of a game. So it, it's this weird conundrum of like, there's the, like, my thought was like, well, you know, sure it's cool that it's fun but it's so bad from a technical point of view you shouldn't give it a pass because if you give it a pass then game freak who makes pokemon has no reason to do better next time but that point is kind of moot when it sells it sells 10 million copies in a week because that right there gives them every excuse to 
to not have to worry about it because they can release a broken buggy mess of a game and but people are gonna buy it like crazy like like crazy too so i mean hats off to them it's a it's a nintendo thing man uh you know hope that one day you can do something so well that people will defend it even though it's completely broken i mean good for them like no shade at all uh, it's just, it's really interesting. Even people in the Discord, um, in our Discord, have talked about, like, it's a really, really good game. It's so fun, um, even though it's a mess. Um, the, the one part that does annoy me is that I've seen a few people be like, well, I haven't had any issues. And it's like, come on. Like, like this is well documented that it's just not in good shape. And, and, it's, and it's even to a point where, like, I think so many people are positive about the game while also ripping on the technical state that you don't need to play that like oh i don't have any problems game you can just say like oh yeah it messes up on me all the time but it's really fun and everyone will believe you now but i don't know good for them they can put out this you know steaming piece of crap that happens to be really good on the inside and they'll sell it like crazy and they'll do it again so uh good for them uh, some quick ones here. Uh, the Division 2 holiday event, uh, they have a little graphic on their Twitter where you can kind of see what's coming. I mean, it is what it is. Uh, they are doing the final target finally after it was delayed a few weeks uh, of Season 10, which I am excited to play to see how this season wraps up. Uh, and then Season 11 is going to start sometime in 2023. We don't know when, so we'll have to wait for that, I guess. Um, but yeah, this event, it's, it's just recycled stuff. There's one new gun they're going to put out. Otherwise it's a bunch of stuff that already existed. So if you're into that, it's going to be there for you. Um, Xbox holiday merch. This is just an aside. I don't make any money. I'm not sponsored with this. You need to go to the Xbox merch store. Like they're like clothing, and there is just some of the wildest holiday merch I've ever seen in my entire life. It's hilarious. Even if you're just there to laugh at it, please go check it out. They have hoodies for your cans. They have a zip-up jacket for your controller. They have a bunch of holiday-themed stuff that's like, some of it's like legitimately really cool. There's a cutting board that looks amazing. Go there, check it out. There's um, fairly cheap wrapping paper. Uh, but like I saw on the podcast I was watching, you better not buy that Xbox uh, wrapping paper and not have an Xbox wrapped inside of it. So keep that in mind. Uh, and then two things. Uh, this isn't even game related, but uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special came out this week. We watched it. My wife and I did. It starts off pretty rough. It's not great. I actually think it ended really well. Um, it, it is a nice kind of like taste of guardians 3 which they released a trailer of this week and it looked i thought it looked really good and we know that guardians of the galaxy 3 is probably going to be the last movie for like a good chunk of the cast um the guardians movies are my favorite mcu movies i know people have their feelings about pratt and stuff like that i don't really care um i love those movies i love the soundtracks i love the characters um i enjoy um just the style of them compared to all of the other ones uh yeah it's it's gonna be bittersweet but the trailer for three looks really good and the holiday special is worth watching it's silly it's dumb uh, but i think it was worth watching uh and then the last thing is the mario movie trailer this is more game related that trailer looks so good so good like 
I mean, I haven't played a Mario game in many years, but even the references weren't lost on me. Like, it just looks so good. I think most of the voices seem kind of weird. I know everyone's been hating on Pratt's Mario. I mean, it's not great. Like, I'm not going to pretend like it's good. Um, we'll have to see what it's like when the movie actually comes out. But everyone was, like, loving Charlie Day from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia as Luigi. And I just thought it was terrible. I, th I thought it was more out of place than Pratt as Mario. That's a hot take that got me called out, <laughs> actually, in a few places, including a fairly big podcast. Um and people disagree relentlessly and that's fine. Um, but I just, um, it, I don't care about the voices. The, the, this movie looks like it's gonna be so fun and it's gonna be so great that the voices could be terrible, but it's probably still gonna be really good. So if you haven't seen those yet, I highly suggest it. Uh, for listener questions, we had one set here. Um, if you have any of your own gaming-related questions you would like me to answer in the next podcast, uh, jump into our Discord, which has a link in the description, or on my Twitter. You can find that link pretty easily. And there's a whole room just to ask questions, uh, and I point you to it once a week. So get in there and ask. You can also ask on Twitter in the YouTube comments. It's fine. Um, so this week it was Master Prime. Uh, it says... What development story is the most crazy? Um, so I assume the, the development story I've heard. So personally, the one that is the most wild to me was more of just like me learning about video games was how um, in the Division 1, the Snowdrop engine they use, which is this like gorgeous engine that apparently is like really nice to use and stuff like that. Well, the version that the Division 1 was on couldn't do ground that was curved. So you'll notice that even the dirt is always, it's always a flat plane. And um, there were issues with like curved objects and stuff where like you couldn't take cover on a tree, which in the division two, you can't. In the division two, there's curved earth and stuff like that. They obviously updated the engine for division two, but in division one, and it hampered some plans potentially to have like a DLC in like Central Park or even just some of their design in general. They had to be really creative with how they did like parks and stuff because they needed to make them look natural, but they couldn't make it like make them look natural. So they had to like do some tricks. And so stuff like that, you, you know, you look behind the curtain of game development and you realize that all game development is, is a big giant misdirection show. And it's a big giant, um, you know, illusion basically. Uh, and it's not, you know, the way people think of it all the time. So, uh, so that's a pretty fun one. Uh, the second question for Master Prime was, should single players, uh, player games be priced at 60 bucks? I mean, that's so dependent on, on the game, how long it took to develop it, how many people worked on it. Um, I like that there is kind of like a double A uh, indie scene right now of games that can be basically made by like an indie studio that's fairly small and come out for like 40 bucks and be very good. Um, but those big studios, EA publishers, EA, Ubisoft, stuff like that, whether their games really feel worth the six, the 60, 70 bucks or not, whether they're single player or not, that that's what they have to charge to, to, to make money. And that's what they're going to do because a lot of people are going to pay it. And so should they be maybe maybe not um like i paid the 60 bucks for a playtale requiem uh it was like a 25 30 hour experience that felt really good i see people talking about a callista protocol that's like eight to ten hours 
and for the same price and it's not even like from a story perspective it's not like amazing you know maybe that isn't worth it uh but it's all it's all subjective and um that's kind of up to you uh, so for polls, I did do a poll, I think it was last week, um, asking what platform people play on. Uh, I had console, PC, mobile, and VR. Uh, what they play on the most was the specific question. Uh, console led with 56%, PC had 40%, mobile had 4%, and VR had zero. This was a fairly small poll. I think it was 30 or 40 people maybe, um, but it was still interesting. And what's really interesting is you can tell how unique um, our little communities are because mobile just dominates with like hundreds of millions of players on stuff where, you know, there's not hundreds of millions of consoles. There's not hundreds of millions of PS5s and Xbox Series Xs. They're happy if they sell, you know, you know, 50, 60 million in, in the first couple of years um, on, in a normal time, especially. Um, so it shows you how unique like our um, our little communities can be when uh, you have console and PC you have you know ninety six percent of the result when if you if you spread that out to like the entire United States uh, mobile would win pretty handily over any platform uh, console or PC so just kind of some food for thought I thought that was interesting uh, and content updates to start wrapping up the show. Um, the Spotify wrapped, uh, we, I, I did that. It was really, really cool. We had some really interesting little stats and stuff like that. Um, uh, let's see what was some of it here. So I did 48 episodes, uh, in 2022, obviously it's not over yet, but at the time they did this, that's how many episodes I had. Um, it was, uh, 2,600 minutes of content, uh, people from 24 different countries listened to the podcast. That was really cool. And it had 6% more followers, uh, on, I assume the various platforms, at least on Spotify. Um, my, the rating of the podcast, I believe there's like 30 ratings and it's at 4.9. So please boost that up. If you're on iTunes or Spotify, um, it, it was really interesting. So, uh, I'm in the top 10% most followed podcast. Now you have to keep in mind that there's like hundreds of thousands of podcasts that recorded like one episode and disappeared, but to be in the top 10%, I don't know. For me, I take it as a win. I think that's super cool. Um, this was a really cool stat. Uh, I had 66% of current listeners, uh, this year, uh, or current listeners started listening to the show this year. That's very, very cool. And what's cool about that is that you have to keep this in mind. Uh, the followers only grew 6%, but 66% of people started listening this year. What that probably means is I assume a bunch of division listeners stopped listening, but I picked up a bunch of new listeners who just like the general gaming news, my mass effect coverage, things like that. So that's super exciting. Um, and then I had the podcast was in the top 10% of most shared, uh, which was really cool. Um, being in the top like five or 2% is, is, is like really, really good, but top 10% considering I do this for fun as a hobby, no complaints here. So thank you very much. Uh, if you're listening to this, you are part of that. Uh, the last thing here is I have finally been approved for ads through Anchor. Uh, Anchor is where I upload the podcast through. And so what that means is that if you listen um, on a podcast platform, you're probably going to get an ad before the show starts. You probably got one before this show. 
two things. If you don't want that ad, you can watch on YouTube, which um, will only have the ads that YouTube has, but it won't have the ad um, from Anchor, uh, from the podcast. Or if you join my um, my Patreon, uh, it's patreon.com slash bondiesel. I think the lowest entry I have, you can get in for a buck. It's like, it's like a dollar, five dollars, ten dollars, whatever you want to pay. You can get an ad-free version. So if you want to listen to it that way, that's fine. Um, I believe there is an RSS feed there, so you can plug that in to your normal podcast listening platform, and you can still get it there. It just won't have an ad. So if you're interested in that, uh, consider the Patreon. Obviously, you don't have to. Um, If you listen to the ad, I get a few pennies as well. Um, So let me know. The big thing I have is I can pick the categories that the ads come from. And so if you get any really weird ads that you don't like that seem way off brand or that you just are uncomfortable with, let me know. I want to know that. Um, I want to know because then I can disable that type of ad. Um, but I'm excited. I haven't had ads on the podcast in a couple of years. Um, and I'm excited to um, uh, to be able to do that again. So, uh, so, so that's what I have. That's what I have this week. Um, thank you so much for listening, like big time. Uh, I, I love doing this podcast. It's one of my favorite things to do. I make it work one way or the other, uh, even on busy weeks or weeks where I don't have much to talk about. I, I think I'm going to be okay for the time being. There's plenty to talk about, and I really hope I get to talk to you about it. So please subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform. And if you're on Spotify or iTunes, please rate the podcast. If you're on YouTube, please subscribe to the channel, like the video and comment down below to say hello or ask a question or something. You can find me all over the internet as Bond Diesel, including on Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, and on Twitch. If you're interested in supporting the show, my other content, and getting ad-free podcast episodes, please check out patreon.com slash Bond Diesel. That is all I have. Until next time. I'm going to go to the hospital. I'm going to go to the hospital. I'm going to go to the hospital.